Broadcasting from London, Ontario, Canada to the rest of the world, it's Ask the Top. Thank you very much for tuning into the latest episode of Ask the Top. As always, I greatly appreciate your ongoing support. We have a jam-packed show for today. My favorite Vader matches of all time, the 20th anniversary of an infamous match, WWE 24, the rumors around the release of Big Cass, who will defeat AJ Styles to become the world champion? I'm confident about this choice. And the worst WrestleMania event of all time. There's a few contenders. I'll make my choice shortly. In case you haven't already, you can subscribe to new episodes of Ask the Top on YouTube. It's very easy. YouTube.com forward slash Chris Toplack. If you're listening to the show on YouTube, I appreciate your support. If you're not, subscribe to me on there. Also, ChrisToplack.com, TWM.news, and TheReactionRoom.com. Two partners from the very beginning. If you want to interact with me on social media, I'm easy to find. Ask the Top is my Facebook fan page, at Chris Toplack on Twitter, at Chris Toplack on Instagram. For all of your photo needs, primarily not wrestling related at all, and on Google+, Chris Toplack. In front of me, St. Mary Axe, Canadian Best Bitter. It's brewed in my hometown of London, Ontario, Canada. I'm going to crack it open right now. So this is legitimately my first sip. Oh, it's definitely bitter, but it's nice, actually. Modern brewing techniques to create this well-balanced ale, a traditional English bitter with a contemporary hop aroma and a refreshing finish. I'm Keishi Keisham. We always end up there. This is nice. They said, this is where old meets new and complex is simple. Credit to St. Mary Axe. My first sip. It was pretty nice. So I will be sipping on that throughout the program. There have been a couple recently where I haven't resorted to like pop or water. But it's a hot day. And it's almost a long weekend. Today is the 20th anniversary of the infamous Hell in a Cell match between The Undertaker and Mankind at King of the Ring 1998. Mick Foley is currently on tour promoting his one-man show that is based around this particular anniversary. I hear it's fantastic, and it's selling out across North America. In case you are living under a rock, this match is known for The Undertaker throwing mankind off Hell in a Cell and plummeting 16 feet through an announcer's table. Not only that, the match continued and saw mankind take an unplanned bump through the top of the cage to the mat with a steel chair in the face for his troubles and even a tooth going through his nose. It was arguably the most dangerous match in WWE history and also featured the greatest call. Good God Almighty, that killed him. As God is my witness, he is broken in half. I have to say, no debate, the most memorable line in pro wrestling history. And like it or not, despite putting his body on the line, he's known for this match. That's mankind, of course. 
And it really made him, I mean, it propelled him into pop culture in so many different ways. I have friends that aren't even wrestling fans that sent me text messages today just to say, hey, did you know it's the 20th anniversary? Of course I do. And the sky is blue. But nonetheless, they're not even active wrestling fans. They don't watch it. They wouldn't know the cream of the crop today. But they still know Hell in a Cell between The Undertaker and Mankind. We lost Big Van Vader recently. Did not get to discuss him on the program, but to celebrate the life of Big Van Vader, I've created a list of my all-time favorite matches from him, so I highly recommend that you check them out. Stan Hansen, New Japan Pro Wrestling, that was Super Fight 1990 against the Great Muda, the G1 Climax 1991 versus Sting, had a series of fantastic matches against him. Great American Bash 1992, my all-time favorite Vader match versus Sting, Super Brawl 3, 1993, and one of the best matches from Ric Flair. Many might be surprised to hear me say that, but I do stand by that. Starcade 1993. So if you want to celebrate the life and times of Leon White, a.k.a. Vader, watch those matches and so many more. Many legendary matches in Japan. He tag-teamed with Bam Bam Bigelow. He had some great matches, of course, against Stan Hansen and many others. So check out those matches. You will not regret it. Industry news and rumors. The WWE issued a press release that announced their new five-year television rights deal for Raw with the USA Network. Also, they weren't done. The WWE also formally announced their five-year deal with Fox for SmackDown television rights. SmackDown will make the leap From USA Network to Fox on Friday night beginning October 4th, 2019. I pose this question to you. Do you like the space in between? That means Monday you got Raw. Wednesday NXT and I'm assuming SmackDown on Friday with 205 Live. Not too bad. Kevin Owens was brought on stage at a Shania Twain concert in Montreal on Tuesday. Both were very comical together. So check out the video at YouTube. I actually shared it on my Twitter account. To summarize, Kevin kept asking Shania to play When via Twitter. She did not play the song, but still pulled him on stage. It was rumored earlier in the week that Nakamura was forced to miss an episode of SmackDown Live due to being bitten by a police dog. Sounds outrageous, but in fact, it was true. The rumor did turn out to be true, and the police actually released an official report. They said, during the sweep, the EOD team, which consisted of an explosive detection-trained canine team and bomb technicians, entered an area of the arena where an employee of the WWE was present. The canine entered the room to sweep for the presence of any explosive material. As the sweep took place, the WWE employee was accidentally bit by the canine. That was Nakamura. The employee sustained an injury to his lower left leg. Medical aid was immediately summoned to the scene, and the employee was transported to a local area hospital for medical treatment. His status for the Japanese tour is still up in the air at the moment. It appears as though Jeff Hardy continues to deal with some minor injuries. Surprise, surprise. That's what couple decades worth of jumping off the ladders will do for you. He's durable, but eventually those injuries and those bumps catch up to you. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter noted that 
The WWE has essentially been protecting Jeff Hardy with some fatal four-way main events at live events, and they've been quite short. And those attending have further noted that he has been limping a lot. So essentially, he injured his leg during his entrance at the May 17th SmackDown tapings. He was off television for a couple of weeks, and he's battling really a nerve injury as well that's causing numbness in his fingers. Very scary. And he's been visibly slower moving. If you watch the most recent episode of SmackDown, you can tell he's working through some injuries. Even when he was crawling up to the top rope to hit that swanton bomb, bomb rather, you can see him almost kind of wrenching in pain. Oh, feel bad for the guy. If these injuries sound as bad as they are, and they appear to be quite awful, even if they are minor, it would be worth taking the title off of him giving him time to properly heal. Again, longevity is key. Highlights from the week. The WWE United Kingdom Tournament, specifically day two. Thought there were some outstanding matches. Would love to know your thoughts. At Chris Toplak, all over social media. Uh, I watched them not through the entire duration of the two days. There's really matches here and there. But the two that stood up to me, the Undisputed Era versus Mustache Mountain for the NXT Tag Titles, a very surprising outcome that saw Mustache Mountain, Trent Seven, and Tyler Bate actually win the NXT Tag Titles. And then it was Pete Dunne defending his UK championship against Zach Gibson. They told an excellent story full of believable psychology that saw Zach consistently work on Pete's arm which, by the way, Pete brilliantly sold. It was kind of strange to see Pete Dunne so over as the babyface and Zach Gibson, like, so hated. Outstanding heat. That man has a future if they bring him up to NXT. How about Dolph, Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins? It was the perfect way to main event Raw for the Intercontinental Championship. Those two have undeniable chemistry between each other. And Seth Rollins is clicking on all cylinders at the moment. I've noted it before. I'll note it again. He should be the top contender for the Universal Championship. He's that good at the moment. He's that over, too. Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley versus The Revival. The Revival picked up arguably their biggest victory to date. The Authors of Pain returned to Raw. I was happy to see that. Apparently, they had some visa issues, but they are now rectified, and they're back traveling. The reunion of Team Hell No on SmackDown. That one came out of left field. There's nobody who would have predicted that. But then as it actually unfolded, it made perfect sense. So you have the Bludgeon Brothers picking on Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan has a match against Luke Harper, and then, of course, you have Eric Rowan interfere, and Kane saves the day. And after he clears out the ring, he wants a hug from his best buddy, Daniel Bryan. It's a feel-good moment. Also from SmackDown, Sanity versus Jeff Hardy and The Usos, a very entertaining six-man tag team match. Speaking of Jeff Hardy, while this was over a week ago, I do want to take a few moments to spotlight the latest WWE 24 episode on the Hardy Boys. The WWE 24 series is undoubtedly one of the 
very best original programs on the network, and it serves as a well-produced mini-documentary, typically about an hour in length. The latest episode featuring both Matt and Jeff Hardy was extremely revealing, emotionally draining at times, but ultimately quite compelling. If you haven't watched it, turn it on. Following the conclusion of this episode, I'll give it an 8.5 out of 10 from me to you. My other favorites include Thank You, Daniel, featuring Daniel Bryan in his retirement, Seth Rollins' Redesign, Rebuild, Reclaim, and Kurt Angle, Homecoming. Really, there was no episode that was a complete miss. There were some I did not enjoy as much as others, but those three were my favorite, including this recent edition. Speaking of other topics, there's a couple that I would love to see. These are just off the top of my head. How about a day in the life of Vince McMahon? Man, that would be guaranteed entertainment. He never sleeps, never sneezes either. How about The Undertaker's final run once that does finally occur? Would love to see those two episodes, or even just Mark Calloway, the man behind The Undertaker, would be a very compelling episode. Let me know which episodes you would love to see for WWE 24. Now it's time for your questions. There's plenty of them. Let's not waste any time. Kyle Scarf, a major supporter of the program via Facebook. What are your thoughts on the release of Big Cass and the rumors surrounding it? Do you think this is the last we will ever hear from him? I certainly don't wish anyone to lose their job, but according to reports, Big Cass was quite reckless. Here's some of the notes that I made. Went off script during a segment on SmackDown. Failed to impress management with his promos and went over time on multiple occasions. Reportedly got drunk during an overseas tour and didn't handle himself professionally. Backstage drama with Carmella. And he was also very outspoken about his political beliefs. Big Cass appeared to be a head case. When you factor in all of those points. Who clearly let his position get to his head. I wouldn't be surprised if he appeared on, say, Impact Wrestling or on the independent circuit, but it's doubtful that he will have a a WWE return within the near future. I doubt that's going to occur. Edward, via Facebook, are there any indie stars that are currently WWE ready and worthy? Cody Rhodes, bring him back. He is a legitimate main eventer on the independent circuit. Could easily insert him into any main event feud upon his return. Of course, Kenny Omega, Zack Sabre Jr., Jay Lethal, just a few off the top of my head that I would like to see have a run in the WWE. Zack Sabre Jr. was there for the Cruiserweight Tournament, but he needs to come back. He's arguably the best technician on the planet today. Imagine him versus Daniel Bryan. That would be incredible. Lionel, via Twitter, who should turn heel Seth Rollins or Dean Ambrose? Easy, Ambrose. His character is stale and in desperate need of a change. Three to four months ago, I would have said both, but Seth Rollins is one of the most over baby faces in the company and riding quite the wave of momentum at the moment. So you don't want to kill that off. Shane O'Brien via Facebook. Who do you think will face Brock Lesnar for the universal title between Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns? Likely Roman Reigns. But I would love to see Bobby Lashley. It's a fresh matchup. That's my logic behind it. Mike Leochi via Facebook. Who do you think should be the one that takes the WWE title 
off of AJ Styles, and when should it happen? Samoa Joe SummerSlam. That was quick. I've been stating for months, probably about the past six months, that it should be Samoa Joe, and those two would have an electric feud between each other. They did on TNA television. They can sure as hell do it in the WWE. It's Samoa Joe is so damn believable, and he speaks with absolute conviction. He would be incredible as that fierce, seemingly unbeatable world champion. Frank the Tank via Google+. I'm assuming you're a fan of old school and Will Ferrell. Will Mr. Kennedy ever return to the WWE? So you're the one. Or perhaps it's Ken asking himself, in all seriousness, the chances of him returning are quite low. He's currently 42 years old and left the WWE on a sour note. Really, he was known as being injury prone and not exactly reliable and never lived up to his full potential. Every time he was just about to be handed that ball, something happened and he ultimately dropped it. JJ via Twitter. Worst WrestleMania of all time? Oh, great question. Immediately off the top of my head, it would be between WrestleMania 9 and WrestleMania 2. Not to be outdone, WrestleMania 11 is certainly in the conversation as well. So, let's take a look at both of them. How they compare with each other. Well, think about the highlights you had for WrestleMania 9. How about the Giant Gonzalez? One of the worst wrestlers in the history of the WWF at the time. He seemingly wasn't as bad in WCW, but he was by no means passable either. He used chloroform on The Undertaker, arguably his worst match in WrestleMania history. Hulk Hogan showed up much lighter, brother, after the steroid trial, and with a black eye. Where did that come from? They claim it was a jet ski accident, but I don't recall... You know, like a jet ski smashing him in the face. I don't know how this actually transpired. So Brett loses and Hulk cashes in his non-existent Money in the Bank contract to beat Yokozuna in an impromptu match. Crush got beat down by clowns. One of them had a fake arm. Not making this up. And of course, while this took place at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, this show was really just a case of style over substance. Some of the other matches as well. And it's a shame you had the Steiner brothers on the card. I mean, I guess the head shrinkers. Eh. Razor Ramon defeating Bob Backlund in just under four minutes. Lex Luger versus Mr. Perfect wasn't bad, but I would have loved to see Perfect versus, say, Shawn Michaels instead. That would have been much better. In fact, Shawn Michaels took on Tatanka. wasn't a terrible match. So it was a strange card. Even on the undercard that did not air... I do believe was Tito Santana and Papa Shango. Just a strange card. And then you have WrestleMania 2, hosted in three separate locations, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles. The overall production was quite poor, and the match quality equaled that. Who can forget that three-minute classic between Jake Roberts and George Wells? George Wells, who? Or the epic between Adrian Adonis versus Uncle Elmer. Listen, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. This was just an awful card. Sure, they had Ray Charles singing America the Beautiful. They had a whole bunch of others that participated 
in the, I guess it was the Battle Royal, where William Perry was. It was just such a miss all over the place. And there were like 14 or 13 matches too, if I do recall properly. There was a a ton of them. And very few of them actually made a lick of sense. It honestly felt like a glorified house show. And this was WrestleMania too. This is supposed to be their biggest night. Nothing historically significant about this event other than the fact that it was in three separate markets in one night. And it failed miserably. The Gamer Changer. Is that like a spelling error? Should it not be The Game Changer? Nonetheless, via Google+. Plus, It's a great one. Who was the better big man? Vader or Bam Bam? Tough call. I will go with Vader, though I preferred Bam Bam Bigelow. Both were very innovative, but Vader had a bigger impact on the business and a more impressive body of work when you factor in his stints in Japan and WCW. That being said, I felt Bam Bam was perhaps even more skilled, but did not showcase his talent nearly enough. Regardless of my choice, both wrestlers were incredible for their size and greatly underappreciated. Great question, though. That's it. Felt like it just cruised by in a hurry. That will do it for yet another episode of Ask the Top. I do have something to share, though. A new show is in the works. I'm not going to tell you the name or the concept, but it is happening. Ask the Top will very likely continue, but this new one is a concept and show that greatly excites me, and I think you're going to love it. So if you would be so kind, tell your friends and fellow wrestling fans to tune into new episodes of Ask the Top and subscribe to me on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Chris Top Black. And until next time, happy trails to you until we meet again.